With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hey guys, this is Casey. Just wanted to pop on real quick. Uh, in this episode, we've got Greg Doyle, Indianapolis star writer, and we're really excited about the conversation we had with him about coronavirus and the Big Ten football season coming back. We talked a little bit of Boilermakers at the end. I uh, just want to give a little heads up. Uh, I did have some audio issues originally recording this, and I spent the last few days fixing it up the best I can. So if you hear a little buzzing when I talk, it's what it is. And a couple of them I had to uh, re-record a couple segments word for word of what happened. So it might sound a little weird, but we really think the conversation is worth listening to, and we hope you enjoy it. Have a good Friday. <laughs> special guest for today writer for the indianapolis star three-time national sports columnist of the year by the associated press and who i like to call the heartbeat of indiana athletics greg doyle how are you today you're calling well hi casey that you're calling me the heartbeat of indiana athletics oh yeah state overall state overall not not that school to the south right i know i know what you mean um first of all I mean, that's kind of what I wanted to do when I got the job here. I realize that's not, you're not asking me about that, but that's what I wanted to do, what I wanted to be. But it's hard to come in from some other state and, and do that and be that. Then again, the star gives you, you know, whoever's got my job, Bob Krabs before me and whoever's next, you got a pretty good shot at being that person. At least you date you, you better. Um, but the state is very parochial and they don't like who they don't like. And a lot of times that's me. So I, I can't ever tell what, what, what the hell's going on. All I can attest to is when I was covering Purdue basketball live, anytime Greg Doyle was at the game, 
it just felt different. I don't know whether it was because you found the story or the story follows you somehow, but you always knew there was a moment and you would get the story it. Follows me. I'm like Forrest Gump. I just weird stuff happens when I'm right. in a building and it's true. It does. I, I I'm a magnet for weird, but thank you. I'm a big fan. And I know a lot of our listeners are, and I'm super excited to have you here to talk about Big Ten football, which I guess is happening. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's a very strange thing that we're talking about. Had you told me this two weeks ago, I guess I would have said, well, the momentum is going that way. But until it happened, I wasn't sure. I mean, obviously, until it happens, you just don't know. You just can't you can't possibly say, yeah, that's going to happen. I mean, two weeks ago, we had we had one guy and you know who I'm talking about one guy tweeting from Columbus, Ohio. Um, and I'll be honest with you. His name is uh-huh. Sir Yacht, you know, like like the boat, you know. Um, and when I first heard of him and saw a couple of his tweets, I thought he's a clown. Now I realize, I mean, it took me about a week to realize, no, 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 no. He, he may or not be a clown. I don't know, but clearly somebody at Ohio state is feeding him like legit information and they're kind of using him. They were using him to, you know, get momentum. You know, it's, it's like, it's the same reason there's social media influencers, right? You know, about Mm -hmm. influencers, um, they were using him, hoping he'd be an influencer and, and propel, hey, Big Ten's coming back. It's coming back. It's coming back. And he had people who know feeding him stuff. So anyway, I was following that guy. Now, well, no, no, I wasn't following him. But I was looking at his Twitter for timeline, and basically it was like reading Ryan Day's mind. So I was just following Mar- Ryan Day's thoughts by reading his Twitter feed. So you're giving Sir Yacht the blessing of being legit. Well, no, <laughs> no, not at all. I'm giving him the blessing of being used. He was absolutely... But it, but in a good way, I mean, not in a good way, but like we all, reporters, for the most part, with a few exceptions, Adrian Wojnarowski being one of the exceptions, most of us are just being used. Right. Whether we break something or whatever, we're given stuff. Now, if we go out and dig something up, that's different. But for the most part, we're all being used. Coaches decide which one of us they want to bestow their, their leaks on, you know, and and we, if we, I mean, I'm, I'm that, I'm apparently rare in this business where my ego is not so big that I think when I get a scoop, I did that. <laughs> when I get a scoop, I'm pretty aware some coach gave it to me for some reason. You know, I didn't, I didn't earn it. You gave it to me. Well, this kid, whoever he is, didn't earn anything. They just gave him stuff. They used him, mm-hmm. but they used him to put out stuff that people were paying attention to and that turned out to be true. So am I giving him my blessing? No, he was used, but much like a lot of dumb people, right. they don't know they're being used. So Greg, he was being used to get football back. Do you think they did get it right the first time when they said no? Oh, for sure they got it right the first time. Now, and I don't know about anybody in, in your community, although there's there's a little bit of, of both all over the place, so I'm sure there's some people out there that will disagree with that. But um, they got it right the first time. It doesn't – just because the SEC, uh, Big 12, and, and ACC played or you know started or tried to, whatever – that doesn't mean, well, you're wrong. If they played, then you're wrong. No, no. Maybe they played and they're wrong. But the Big Ten got it right. And I even understand why they're in a vacuum, which we don't live in. But in a vacuum, I can kind of understand why they're coming back now. They feel like there are advances in testing. They feel like they've got the funding from federal, wherever they're getting it from. They feel like they've got some tests for myocarditis that they can pick up on who's got it early, which doesn't give me a lot of comfort. Like, I don't really want to be told that, yeah, our player is going to get myocarditis, which will affect them for the rest of their life. Yeah. But we're going to catch it early so they don't at least don't die on a football field here. Well, that's great. But that, what that means is they can't play anymore if they have myocarditis. So I'm not a big fan. So I understand why they're coming back in that sense. However, I cannot help but think they just gave in. They caved. Um, 
the money, the fact that other teams are playing, the fact the president's calling the commissioner, the fact that you got these whiny parents are suing the conference. I mean, they just caved in. They they made a really, really – it's like being a parent. You make a really, really hard decision, and sometimes the hardest thing to do with the hard after making a hard decision is mm-hmm. sticking to it, if, especially if your kids are just whining at you nonstop. But mom, but mom, but mom, I raised two kids. I, I know it's it's hard enough to say no. It's really hard to keep saying no every hour of every day for the next 10 weeks, and the Big Ten didn't have the guts to do it. Yeah, Greg, you led perfectly into two things I wanted to ask about. Was it pressure? Obviously it was from a whole bunch of people. And you're touching on something that's going to be hard for our society to wrap their heads around. Just because they were right then doesn't mean they're wrong now. Just because they're right now doesn't mean they were wrong then. No, very few people want to change their mind or want to tolerate when someone out there like you or me changes our mind. And not that I've entirely changed my mind on this. I'm just saying I can see why they'd come back. I don't hate it like I would have hated it had they never shut down in the first place. But there – you know, the start, there was a conference call or a video call, I guess, when the Big Ten announced they were coming back and they had six people on there. Three of them were ADs. Commissioner was on there and a couple others. One of the other, a doctor from Ohio State, you know, the other was the president of, uh, Northwestern. That guy was the star of that conference call because he at one <laughs> point said, when the facts change, so can your opinion. And I'm like, yes, amen to that. Like, it's, it's so, there, there are so many people out there that say, why don't you stick to your guns? Well, because the ammunition changed. And that's what happens in, in a fluid society. But anyway, you're put, you're touching one of my buttons there, Casey. <laughs> I feel you. You know, they act like this virus has been around for ages and we should have all the answers. But we're working with a lot of limitations. It'd be nice if we could admit, you know, new facts without believing they're entirely conspiracy theories. But on a little more personal level, you cover these kids. You talk to them. You get to know them, their families. What do you feel like our responsibility to them is as fans? You as a writer, the colleges themselves, what do we owe them, you know, in looking out for them? In what way are we responsible for what happens to them now? Well, first, I want to say something that I've told several people, including the starting center at Purdue, Sam Garvin. I mean, he's awesome. He sent me a long email about a week ago after, after the Big Ten said they're coming back. And I wrote what I wrote, which is they're coming back. They caved. Let's see what happens next. Um, he wrote me a long email, you know, very, very nice, very smart. I mean, listen, I, I wish all readers could disagree with me as, with as much class as this kid did. I mean, it's you can disagree with somebody and have them hate you, which most people do with me, or you can disagree with me and then have me really, really like you, and that's what he did. Um, and I'm not just saying that because it's right. a Purdue podcast. It, I mean, really, that's what – and I wrote him back. And what I wrote him is what I'm going to tell you is that if I were him, if I were a player – I would hate me too. I would hate me, and I would hate people like mm. you and people that are trying to stop us from playing. If, I'm now saying yeah. us if I, was, if I was a kid. I'd. You can't tell me I can't play. I mean, so I'd want to do it. I I understand entirely. Um, the only responsibility I feel, and not not in a condescending way like these these people these kids aren't smart enough or mature enough to make the decision. So I'm gonna make mm. it for them. Not like that. The responsibility that I feel is just to tell what I think is the truth. And, and um, you know, a lot of people think, well, I just told the truth. Yeah, well, you can tell the truth and be wrong. So that's not a bulletproof thing. So I never try to say that. I'm just, I'm just telling the truth. Yeah, it's, it's my truth. But my truth is I think this is really, really dangerous um, in a lot of ways. Not, not for, the, for the players, yeah, down the road, perhaps, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a level of that for sure. That's not my biggest concern. And people have been painting me with, hey, how many players have died? 
Like, I, do you read me at all? Because if you read me, my, I've never said we've got to save these players. Right. I'm not, that's not my problem. My problem is we've got to save society from this virus that won't mm-hmm. go away, and football's not going to help. How, however, so my, my yes, my responsibility that I feel, I just feel this, the need to always write my truth and not let the mean-spirited, and I mean mean-spirited people on the other side from shouting me down, because they're trying. They're trying to shout any of us down that put up a stop sign and say, wait a minute, why, why are we playing football again? To explain to me that they try to shout you down with cruelty and meanness, and they, they're going to make a lot of people give up, but <sighs> not me. That's my responsibility, not me. Well, we all thank you for that. I think for me what it comes down to, and tell me if you agree with this, Playing football as a college player is no more of a threat. Uh, it's it's the fact that everyone's on campus at that age where they're not going to socially isolate uh, the way that a lot of us can and are going to try to do. Danger comes uh, with that campus life, not football. Yeah, it's, it's all of that. It, it's, and it's kind of a vortex. If you, have the, if you have them all on campus and you say the football is okay, you're kind of sending a message. Well, you are sending a message to the rest of the campus that – you can be together in small groups because watch what we're letting happen on national TV. So it's, it's really hard to tell kids and I've got two of them and I was one. <laughs> and especially if you're, you know, if you're 21 years old and you've got those hormones that you've got and you, maybe you've had a drink or two in you, you know, you're gonna, it's really hard to tell that group of people. Yeah. Um, on the one hand, it's okay for a hundred players to play football and practice every day and bang and collide and swap, swap, you know, spit particles in the air and all that. That's Okay. But you kids can't go have a, go to a party on Friday night. You can't go to a bar. You can't karaoke. You can't – I mean, you just can't have it both ways. And so, in theory, the football players actually ought to be safer and probably will be safer, minus the myocarditis threat, which is no no small thing. But they ought to be safer from the virus itself than the kids on campus because they're getting tested every day. The kids on campus aren't getting tested. They're getting tested every day. And so they'll find out really quickly you can't hang out with that guy anymore because he's – for two weeks, he's quarantined. They're, they've also got all the pressure in the world and the reason in the world to be safe away from football because they want to play on Saturday. They want to practice. So I, I would, again, that's why I've never said this is about protecting players. I, they ought to be the safest group on campus. But it's just the whole big picture of this virus is not going away. We're not doing enough to make it go away. And we keep sending these mixed signals and these mixed signals and half, half measures, half steps. And and I kind of liken it to, again, I'm a parent, so I think about a parent in almost everything I write and do and think, and probably just you can't help it once you've been a parent. Um, my thought about this is kind of like teaching your kids to sleep through the night when they're about one year old or less than one, and you want to get them sleeping through the night, and it's hard, and they're going to cry, and you can get up every three hours and hold them and, because you just feel so miserable hearing them cry. Or you can, and then you can basically cripple your kids so we can't sleep through the night and cripple yourself so you can't sleep through the night. Or you can be really tough for about a year and plan it out and stretch out their, their time in bed longer and longer and longer until one day, what do you know? They're sleeping through the night, and what do you know? The virus is gone. But we keep we keep picking that baby up in the middle of the night and telling them it's okay. And uh, we're never going to get through the night like this. That was a very succinct and good analogy for it. Have you, Greg, talking to players, coaches, have you gotten a sense of fear at all, or do they overwhelmingly want to play? No fear, and more than no fear, um, borderline belligerence. And and again, I say that as somebody who, if I was them, that'd be that'd be me. Um, I'm not mad at anybody, um, but almost belligerence. And I, every time I write something, and I've written on this topic, I mean, a bunch. How could you not? Um, every time I write on this. Uh, there's a couple coaches that, that text me angrily 
Like they're mad at what I'm saying. And I, I and I'm talking about final, not final four. Um, I'm talking about borderline final four coaches. I'm talking, and, and I'm not talking about Matt Painter. Not, I'm not, not. That was a careful distinction. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not not Matt. He he's not. He's never texted me angrily. I don't want on on your campus on, on that campus that I don't want anybody thinking that. Um, but I've got a couple coaches that text me angrily, and and I can tell that they're they're texting me from the position of of I really hope this goes away. I hope that I'm right. I want to be right so badly. Therefore, I am right. And therefore, whoever you are, me in this case, you're wrong. Why are you wrong? Because I just want you to be wrong so bad that you're wrong. And that's not how that's not how science works. It's not how arguments ought to work. It's not a matter of who wants to be right more than you win. That, But that's what Twitter and social media and just the world has become is whoever objects the loudest or the meanest with the, or with the most Twitter followers and gets those retweets, they think they've won just because of volume. And, and that's not how it works. You can have literally zero followers and you can tweet out some brilliance and be right, and no one even noticed. But it, but anyway, it, it, this is a world based on volume. And uh, and I used to be a loud guy at CBS. I, mean, I used to be a screamer, but I grew up a little bit. It's a weird dynamic we live in when believing in something makes people think you're rooting for it. Oh oh yeah, you. That's another <laughs> button. Is you know people like me and and Dan Wolken of USA Today, and I guess Pat Forty, and there's a few more of us. That have consistently kind of said, "Man, this is this is not the right time for football," um, and we can all do it different mm-hmm. ways. And and I think Wolkin's been a little bit more uh, more shrill, S H R I double L shrill <laughs> about it than I've been. But yeah, people. Oh God, if you want to get muted by me, <laughs> if you want to get muted by me on Twitter, I'm not blocking uh-huh. you. But if you want to get muted by me, call me a Corona bro. Um, because what that means is not, not only are you saying I mean that's just right. stupid like because the Corona Bros allegedly are the ones rooting against football like we don't want football but not is it is it stupid but that means you're now quoting the guy that created that term as if that guy should be influencing anybody and uh, anyway you, if you tweet me something ugly and I I always like to click on the profile and look at the last five or ten tweets like okay who are you before I make a decision to mute you or not who are you invariably they they're retweeting Outkick and they're then that, I mean, do your thing. That's fine, but you're going to do your thing away from me because I can't listen to people like you. Not because I'm afraid of what you have to say, but because I'm so discouraged that the world thinks like you think that I just can't take it. So I got to mute you. Yeah, it's becoming pretty apparent that sports are becoming a little too important to our society. Yeah, yeah. That is just the read I'm getting. All these overreactions. It's scary that with all these people dying, that's where our focus is. Well, where the focus is right now is people just want to be right. Um, and this is sports. This is politics. You know, I was at I was at CBS before I was here for about ten years, and so I wrote about a lot of a lot of schools. And I typically ripped people back then. I was just kind of a mean guy. And most fan bases are kind of the same. They're the same in that if whoever the jerk is that's coaching a team, if he's your jerk, you like him, and everybody's <laughs> wrong. You know, it's because we we want to be right. Like like I mean, the case in point that I will always use is Tennessee fans. Tennessee fans defended Lane Kiffin. When he was there, and he was such a gigantic idiot. I mean, he was <laughs> such an idiot, and proved it every week. And people like me would write it every now and then. And Tennessee fans would be furious, like, "How dare you!" And then the day Lane Kiffin announced that he was leaving for like Southern Cal, they stormed his neighborhood, and like he was afraid to leave his house because they hated him. 
Like, hey, people, this is who he is. It's who he's been. It's what we've been saying. Don't come to my side now. I don't want to hear that you hate <laughs> now. No, no, no. You, it shouldn't matter if he's coaching your team or not. You think the way he does his business is great. And so people want to be right, and they want to be right in politics. And so that's why you, you decide who you are. You're Republican, you're Democrat, whichever one you are. And whichever one you are, your side's always right. It's the damnedest thing. Like, I, I vote the way I vote, and my side's never been always right. But no one wants to – I mean, whoever you vote for, it's if that guy or that woman says something, then they're right. Why? Because they said it. It's not good enough, but that's how, that's where we are in sports, the coronavirus, everything. Yeah, it is a scary landscape, and the harder it's getting, the scarier it's become. So with all this, are we willing to – to look towards the football field and the games to oh, come. Oh, why not? They're, they're going to play for a while. I, I don't. I don't think they're going to finish the season. Um, they might. I wouldn't bet money they will. But but they're going to start it for sure. So the schedules were just released. There is a pretty thorough, thought out plan. Hope your team stays below that five percent threshold. If it happens, if the games play out, what are you expecting for Coach Brown's Boilermakers? Well, I guess it depends on. Do we think Rondell Moore's coming back? And I, I feel like if he's coming back, we'd know by now. We don't know yet, right? Yeah. At most, we've heard that there was contact being made and it didn't seem likely, but it, but he hasn't hired an agent. So our fans will absolutely gravitate towards that one fact. I would imagine it personally, I would imagine it's very hard to initially make that choice to say goodbye to college and then to make the choice to come back after you've already talked yourself through it. You know, a lot of players have actually said they're coming back. It's really weird how a lot of players are opting back yeah. out. Um, specifically at Ohio State. Um, they had a couple kids opt out, I, I think, before the Big Ten canceled football, definitely in the middle of it. But anyway, a, a lot of kids, the, the receiver at Minnesota, I think he's coming back. Um, a lot of players are, are coming back, and it's it's very – I mean, I, I want to say it's strange to me. I know, I guess, no, it's not. People can change their mm-hmm. mind. They get caught up in the emotion of, wow, the Big Ten's back. And, and, I, and I actually, when the Big Ten announced it was coming back, well, actually, an hour or two before it announced it was coming back, but we all knew it was happening. I went on Twitter and found those. there's two Ohio State players. I, one of them plays center and one of them's a safety, I want to say. But I went and found both of them on Twitter, looked at their mentions, and just it was just thousands of Ohio State fans begging them to come back. Yeah, I mean, th- I mean literally. I, and I thought I might be right in that, and I didn't. But it was just you know one of the facts I was looking for. Um, so, Rondell Moore, if he's not back yet, I'm guessing he's not coming back. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. Um which I hope I've been to this point now, but I really want to, I want to, I want to stress this. I have no idea what to expect from Brahms team. Um, and not just in that meta sense of, well, we got to see what happens in the field. I'm not going to lie to you and hide behind that. I'm going to tell you that I really don't know. I, I, I haven't, to be totally honest with you, I haven't given a little, not, I mean, this is actually the first it's time hard, I've thought right? about how, how, how good will any team be this fall? Any of them. Uh, because until last week they weren't playing, and my head is in so many different directions right now. I have no idea. I don't even know how good they were last year. I want to say they were four and eight. Yeah, were they? I believe that's correct. They lost pretty much everybody playing a four string quarterback. Yeah, exactly. The the thing about and I was there the day that that um, Rondell Moore and Eli uh, Sindelar. The, yeah, both got hurt like on the same play. Uh, I was there for that, and it was unbelievable. So yeah, I'm. The thing about Brom, and there's not a lot of coaches I'd say this about, but the thing about Brom is that I, I think he's so good, and I realize his win-loss record doesn't show it, but he's not coaching Alabama now, is he? Um, I, I think that he is so talented as a coach, has so much ability as a coach, 
that almost predicting what Purdue will be any given year is a fool's errand because he's a guy that can make you look stupid. You know, a lot of coaches out there, barring something crazy, you kind of know what they are. Jeff Brom, barring something crazy, you don't know. You, you just don't know how good he's going to be. So I, I wouldn't, and I, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. So let's focus, uh, kind of zoom out then. Does this year kind of get a pass? Uh, regardless of what happens on the field because of all this craziness with COVID. Uh, this year was supposed to be his year. Uh, he has his players, his schemes, his coaches. It's his program. We have to delay that judgment a whole nother year now, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Now, it doesn't mean this year, let's assume they play nine games or whatever the season is. Let's assume it all happens. It, it, doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean we don't remember this right. year going forward. It, it, you know, two years from now, when people are looking at the body of work, we don't just say, well, they went, let's say, two and seven mm-hmm. or seven and two, whatever. But I mean, we only be looking back on it if people want to get mad at them. So let's say the, let's say the two and seven this year, two years from now, we're not going to say we're going to dis- discount two and seven. That's part of it. But you damn sure don't make any decision after this year. And I don't mean firing right. or not. That, that'll never happen. But I mean, as a fan base, what you don't or even an individual fan, what you don't do is look at this year. And say, well, based on his first three years, blah blah blah. No, th- this year is this year's the ultimate free pass, pretty much for everybody. Are there any storylines, Greg, that are going to permeate through the pandemic, or are we just stuck on COVID? It's it's hard for me to imagine actually caring about Alabama going eight zero. Do you think people are so hungry for a distraction that they're going to throw themselves fully into? The oh, I, I do for sure, for sure. We we didn't come this far to then pretend we're not here. We're here. It's football. And, and that even look that that up to a certain level extends to me, and I've been Mr. Corona Bro this whole time. But but you know I've covered two Colts games now. I've covered them on my on my TV, and I've done Zoom with that with the players and the coaches from my living room afterwards. But and I've not I'm not noted the coronavirus like both games. The first game of the year, you have to notice note how weird this mm-hmm. is. There's no fans there wherever there was in Jacksonville, and of course yesterday was the Colts' first home game and small crowd. So you mention it. But it's not the story. It's not the storyline. It's barely a whole paragraph. It's a sentence or two. And uh, that will continue as the season goes farther and farther along. That'll keep, you know. So same thing with college football. I realize that until that first game happens, and even that first game, that will be a dominant, the dominant storyline. Holy cow, we're playing. Holy cow. And, you know, maybe these players didn't play because of the virus, mm-hmm. whatever. But this is actually happening. That'll be the plot. But game two, three, and four, it'll be like, what do they look like on the field? Because honestly – People, even me as a guy who's been writing about it, like there's only so much of this we want to think about. And football, you know, we've all made our positions clear. And you can be a jerk and an idiot and and hammer your point. And I don't mean you, I mean right. me really. And hammer hammer my point every single week that they shouldn't be playing. They shouldn't be playing. They should be. Why? I mean, everybody know if you if you read me, you know what I think. So let's just talk about what we're actually watching. What I don't understand is I get email, tweets from people saying because uh, I my my season advanced in the Colts. Was you know I, the the only twenty five hundred fans can be here, and the coronavirus can bite me. That was the headline, I think. <laughs> and so I got people who probably didn't read the story, but if they did, you know, who knows? Saying, wait a minute, if it's bad for the, if it's bad for the Big Ten to be playing, if it was bad for fans to be at IMS, why are you upset that only twenty five hundred fans can be at the game? Well, dummy, please think for just a minute. I'm not upset in a vacuum. That 2,500 fans will be there. I'm upset that the coronavirus exists and that we can only have 2,500 because it's because it's there. I'm a, I'm mad at the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. I'm not mad at the Colts for not letting in 50,000 right. people. 
But people just can't like there's a couple thoughts there. There people can't grasp two or three. It's like everybody can do, you know, 2x equals 8. Right. Okay, x is 4. We can all do that. But you add a y in there and people are just blown away. 2x plus 3y equals I mean, <laughs> you you add a second variable and people can't keep up. And I'm trying to write stories with three and four variables because the world's a confusing place. And I got folks that are muted now, but they just can't they they can't do the math and I can't help you if you can't do it. No one is rooting for coronavirus. Okay, let's go ahead and wrap this up with a little bit of a lighter question. How upset should Purdue fans be that the automatic win against Ohio State isn't on the schedule? (laughs) Oh, man. Could... Uh, have they played the Buckeyes since the Tyler Trent game? I don't think I, so. I hope not, and I hope they never do again. I, I think <laughs> – I mean, that would just be – you know, do you talk about a walk-off home run. You talk about dropping the mic and walking away. The Big Ten needs to permanently not schedule Purdue against Ohio State um, just because that was a mic drop moment. That was a mic drop game, and it's almost like it will devalue – well, it will never – it won't devalue what happened, but – it's just I don't want to go back to a world where Ohio State does what it does to Purdue more times than not, like that, like this is okay or whatever. It's not okay. We we were all there. The one night magic happened, and I don't, you know, once you've seen a magic trick, you kind of don't want to go back and watch a lecture on football. No thanks. I was there for the magic. You can keep your lecture. Twenty twenty has been a tough year, but that is one of the best takes I've heard in a long time, and I'm pretty sure you can get in the entire Boiler Nation in line with you there. Greg, thank you again for joining us. It's been great to talk with you about some complicated issues, but people need to hear the hard conversations. And even if we disagree, acknowledge that we're not rooting for the coronavirus or against football. There's just a lot of other things at stake, and we're all just trying to figure it out. Uh, Greg, what do you have going on? Where can people find you right now? Well, uh, when is this posting? Uh, Hopefully either tomorrow or Wednesday. So Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, I've got a story going up probably tomorrow, I think. And on on Pine Village. So oh, I was yeah. up in your neck of the woods. I was telling you mm-hmm. that before off off air. Um, I went to Pine Village. They've got one of those historic. I mean, Indiana has about fifty of them, but one of those historic gyms that are just so unique mm-hmm. to the city. And this, the gym's going to be torn down in a couple of years. So I went to Pine Village, which is the smallest town I've ever been to. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, it is. I've been to a lot of them, but never one like this. And anyway, so that that's a fun story I've got coming up. And then. Otherwise, I mean, people know where to find me, and I don't mean that in an in a arrogant way, but I've been here long enough that Greg Doyle, Greg Doyle, I, like, I'm not going to spell my name anymore for people, because even if you spell it wrong, if you, if you try to find it, you can find it. So if you can't find it by now, it's all, then it, it's, it's fine. Do, do your thing. <laughs> you, you obviously don't like me, and that's okay, but um, you can read a lot of people out there that will tell you what you want to hear all the time, and if that's the safety that you people prefer, then go find your safety. I'm not here to make fun of anybody, but I'll, I'll tell you some things sometimes you don't want to hear, and there's some danger in that. Well, we really appreciate it, and you are one of the best voices out there. Keep doing what you're doing, and that's it for the Hammer and Rails podcast. Some would call me the heartbeat of Indiana, but not me. <laughs> not me, of course. I wouldn't even agree with it. Well, it's been said, it's recorded, it's, it's true. It's on the internet, it's true. Thanks, Casey. Thanks, Casey.